0: This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were.
1: Just a reminder, the Talk of Fame Network is sponsored by GEICO, where just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. And you probably should have gone 15 minutes ago. As promised, we have Charlie Casserly with us. Charlie is a longtime NFL executive. He was the GM who succeeded Bobby Bethard in Washington and the first ever GM of the Houston Texans. But some of you may recognize him more as a TV star from his stints as an NFL insider with ESPN, CBS, and now the NFL Network. Charlie, we recognize you no matter where you are, and it's good (laughs) to have you with us.
2: Hey, it's great to be with you guys. The Hall of Fame uh, Voters Network Show. That's great. I got, no one's ever done that before.
0: Exactly. That's why we, uh, it's the only good idea the three of us have ever had, actually, Charlie. So its uh, it's been going
2: good. Nah, that's not true. That's not true at all. Anyway.
0: All right, let's go. Well, I'm wondering, you know, within a year of, yeah. of starting as an unpaid intern with the Redskins, you became a college scout. Now, my, my friend Upton Bella was a great scout back in the day says you can't train a guy to be a scout he's got the eye or he doesn't so uh... uh, how does you train or not train for that job
2: well i was a high school football coach and a college football coach before that where that helps you is as a high school coach you have to coach every position at some point in in your career and you gotta teach every position so learning the concepts of teaching and fundamentals and being a coach you can see how a player can develop okay from where from a certain part into what he, he grows into. So you can see the raw material and see how it develops. That helps you in scouting being able to project what a guy is. College scouting's projection. You see a raw product. What's he going to look like two or three years from now with coaching? It helps you understand when you watch the tape schemes, okay? Are they asking this guy to do something he can do or he can't do? So uh, coaching to me was something that helped me uh, get started in it. Uh, and then I think that there's an element of instincts in it uh, but there's also an element of hard work um, and learning from experience in it, too.
0: Charlie, you obviously know what a player looks like, so let's cut to the chase. Is Joe Jacoby a Hall of Famer?
2: Absolutely, he's a Hall of Famer. Why? No question about it in my mind. Why? Dom, he, he was a dominant left tackle uh, in the toughest division in football. Uh, this guy could run block. Most left tackles can't run block. He could run block. And the guy was, you know, uh, so big and so long with his arms that he was tough to get around. Plus, this guy ended up starting at, at mo- more than one position uh, during our championship run. Uh, and then that's hard to do. How did the whole
0: league miss on him? How did he go undrafted?
2: Well, it's interesting because, uh, and that's 12 rounds back then. Uh, and, and I was in the right place at the right time when I scouted him. I, I In the spring, he wasn't a prospect. A lot of times, if a guy's not on the list, a lot of scouts won't even look at the guy. I came in at you go in their last regular season game, and they had played Florida and Pittsburgh. Well, Pittsburgh had a player you'll remember these names named Greg Meisner. End up being a third round pick. Jacoby's a left tackle. He shuts him out. The guy didn't make a, a play, and he was he was a third round player rated. Florida had a guy named Galloway, who was a first-round-rated player. He shuts him out. I'm thinking, well, he's shutting these guys out. How's he doing this? Well, he was so big and so long, and that's when you could start using your arms that if you could stay on your feet, if you had balance and long arms and size, you could play offensive line. So I I met Joe before practice. Now, Joe's body needed a little work, okay, Uh, to put it mildly. I said, listen, we're going to come back in the spring, work out, get, get your body in shape here. He had a great line. He wasn't invited to any all-star game. And people said, well, you know, didn't you think you lost something? He says, no, I gained three weeks to get in shape ahead of all those other guys. So Joe Bugle, our legendary offensive line coach, we go to work this guy out. Jacoby comes through the door. He blocked the door. Really, he blocked the door. He had totally transformed his body to having a fat beer gut into a chest. And, you know, he did a good job working out. We drafted five offensive linemen. We didn't draft them. We'll go, you know, go we'll go to sign them as a free agent. Gibbs thought he was a defensive lineman and recruited him as a defensive lineman. You know, in the speech when the head coach tells you on the team, Joe is afraid to tell him he was an offensive lineman. So, <laughs> so when we tell him we got him signed, Gibbs goes, that's great. We need another defensive lineman. No, but Joe, he's an offensive lineman. Can we get out of it? No, we can't get out of it. And, you know, I've been recruiting the guy all spring, trying to get the guy, and, and, and Bugles recruiting him. Um, and, you know, sometimes it turns around as other people that you know, people want to draft. We get that. But that's how he went undrafted. He, fi- he-, he finished the season strong when people wrote him off early.
1: We're with former general manager Charlie Castley on the Talk of Fame Network, and you can find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com. And, Charlie, another question about the Hall of Fame and the Redskins. There are plenty of them who could be in Canton but aren't. Joe Jacoby's one of them. Jerry Smith is another. Larry Brown yep. is another. And, of course, the man you worked for, Bobby Bethard, is another. Who's the best Redskin not in Canton?
2: Well, I think Bobby deserves to be in. Uh, you know, uh, no, nothing against Ron Wolf and Bill Polian, They're close friends. I work with them a lot. But Bobby's right in that their crew with them. Uh, and I know George Young is getting a lot of support, and George was a great friend of mine. But Bobby uh, took more teams to Super Bowls, and I think he drafted more Hall of Fame players than George did. So, I mean, I think you have to look at that when you got him. Um, You know, you guys understand this a lot better than I do. I think Jacoby needs to be, in. that's number one. But I could see an argument for Jerry Smith and where he was at that point in his career uh, versus other tight ends. And the guy who never gets any mention at all is Brian Mitchell. Okay? And Steve Tasker's not in, but doesn't Brian Mitchell do more for your football team? He's second in the history of the league in total yards. And I'll give you another guy who... I would put in there, but you can't put everybody in. Gary Clark, Gary Clark, and Andre Reed are the same player when I scout them. They're both competitive. Andre Reed didn't have Art Monk. That's one of the things he had going for him. Um, I'm only confusing. I know. So. <laughs> no, no. Uh, you,
0: you know, another thing I'd like to talk about that you were involved in 1999. You were pulled off the the oddest trade in history, where you got the entire Saints draft. Uh, to give up uh, the number five slot, so they could take Ricky Williams. You made a number of other trades that uh, day. You still ended up with Champ Bailey, who you said all along was who you wanted. And from some of those picks, you later got Lavar Arrington, Derek Smith, and a guy named Lloyd Harrison, who I don't know who the heck he was. Uh, but unfortunately, by the time those picks were made. Uh, You were gone. How do you make that kind of a trade and and net that kind of a profit, and uh, and then they tell you to leave?
2: How does that happen? I don't know. You're asking the wrong guy there now. (laughs) (laughs) What's your opinion? What happened? (laughs) That's kind of strange. The team got sold. sold. Uh, When a team gets sold, changes happen. Uh, There's a lot of politics going on uh, in the background at the time. And uh, a year later, Dan Snyder called me up. He's, he said this publicly, so I no reason i say it. And he says, you know, I made a mistake. Uh, I should have kept you there. And at that point, I'm working in Houston. So, uh, uh, you know, he, he didn't really know who to listen to. And there was a lot of people with personal agendas that uh, uh, were telling him what he wanted to hear. I, I told him, I says, you know, I'm the only guy in the building that doesn't tell you what you want to hear. I just tell you what I think. I tell you the truth. So I learned that from working with Jack Ken Cook. You, you've got to tell the owner the truth, even though he doesn't want to hear it. Because ultimately, you're responsible for it anyway. He's not going to uh, re- be responsible for it. That's a generic statement, I know that. But um, you've got to tell the owner that you disagree with him sometimes.
0: Hey, Charlie, we asked Ron Wolf who his favorite draft pick was. He said it was Reggie Kinlaw, a 12th round pick. Who was your favorite draft pick? Guy, you're most well, proud of. Well, you know,
2: I, I'm going I'm to divide it into two things. Uh, you know, certainly, Champ Bailey and Andre Johnson have got to be tied to me at the, for top picks, okay? I'd say Brian Mitchell in the fifth round. I mean, he was a, uh, a quarterback at Southwest Louisiana. Very, very productive, but he couldn't throw. Okay, we, we found that every time he ran a halfback option pass. Hey, Mitchell was a quarterback. Run the halfback option pass. <laughs> then he'd screw it up and you go, yeah, we know why he's not, he's not his quarterback now. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, Brian Mitchell, just uh, you never know a guy's going to do what he did. Now, let's be realistic about that. But uh, to come in and have an impact immediately as a special teams player, uh, and to end up number two in the history of the NFL in total yards, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's something to be proud of. And One last thing about him is every time we signed him to a new contract, he did better. You know, Some guys, you sign them to the contract and you're holding your breath. My God, is this guy going to be what we thought he was? He always did better. And I asked him about that after he retired, and he says, I always wanted to prove I was better than the money you gave me. I always wanted to prove that I could be better. And he did
1: it. Hey, Charlie, we got to go. But you know what? Thanks for the time. And we'll catch you on TV tomorrow and the next day and the next day. <laughs> In other words, we know where to find you, Charlie. <laughs> you got that right. Hey, had a doubleheader today.
2: Okay. There you go. All right. See you guys later. Thanks, Thanks. Charlie.
1: That was former GM Charlie Castle, now with the NFL Network, coming up. Why Ron doesn't like the NFL's idea of trying to avoid a double standard. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Another reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com.